Hello, everybody. Welcome to the final edition of Agree to Disagree here on VIC this semester. We had our, our final live show last Sunday, so we were live in studio. This week, it's our final show. It's a remote show, so we are recording this Friday afternoon. Me, Jack Costello, Aiden Chard, Dean Kudik here. I'm Noah Schwartz for you as the host today. We've got a lot to discuss. We're going to start with the biggest sports news, I think, of any of the sport le- sports leagues this week, the Tom Wilson Capitals Rangers incident and all that's uh, what's been going on with that. Then we'll move and talk about the NBA playing tournament and the playoffs that are approaching in the next week or so. And then finally, we will head over uh, to a really interesting comment and we'll discuss what Kendrick Perkins said this week about how it is harder to win a title in the NBA than it is in the NFL. We will discuss that and then head over to winners and losers to wrap up the show for today. So let's begin uh, with the Tom Wilson stuff. So obviously, I think everybody's seen it by now. He threw uh, Panarin, Terry Panarin of the Rangers, into the ice a few days ago. It was one of the worst hits and collisions you'll ever see. There was a potential that Panarin could have gotten seriously hurt, if not died even. I mean, it was really crazy. And obviously, it's led to a whole week of brawls for the Rangers and Capitals when they play each other in the next game. So let's start with Dean. You're the big hockey fan. First of all, I hope you're doing well with your uh, wrist. We can discuss that for a second and then go into the Tom Wilson stuff. Uh, First of all, live from my home with one working hand and the other one wrapped up right now. Um, You know, the NHL player safety is an absolute joke. You know, uh, it's one quick thing. Shane Gostas Bear, two-game suspension for boarding on the Flyers. Buchnevich, the one-game suspension for high-sticking. Tom Wilson attempts murder. Gets nothing except a slap on the wrist. That's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, what happened the game after when the Rangers and Capitals, first of all, the opening the opening scenes of that Rangers-Capitals game of the back-to-back was absolutely amazing. It was it was it's like Friday night fights. It was fight night. And, you know. Well, just drop the everybody started yeah, punching you. Yeah, yeah within like the first five, ten minutes, everyone's fighting each other. And it was – it was surreal. It reminded like me 70, 76 penalty minutes in the first four minutes of the game. First four or I five minutes. Yeah. Like it was insane. But you know, I don't understand why he gets away with it. You know, this is a guy that has done this repeatedly time after time. He tried to end Visnovsky's career of the New York Islanders. He does, you know, first of all, it all started with the Buchnevich incident. Buchnevich is on the ground. Tom Wilson puts his stick on his neck, punches him twice while he's already out. And then he goes after Panarin, takes his hair, pulls it down as his head bounces off the ice and elbows it and throws another punch. You know, this is a guy that is known to be uh, NSFW, a moron and a complete douche. You know, this is somebody who has that reputation. And listen, he's a productive player. He's a very good player. And if you told me, would you take Tom Wilson on your team? I hate the guy, but he's good and he's productive. The problem is the era he's in right now. If he was in the 80s or 90s where they were going for each other, I think he would have been a perfect player. But this is 2021, and there's no need for this Bush League crap in hockey. There's no lead, no need for that whatsoever. This is a guy that's done this time after time again. He's taken out players. He's tried to end careers. This is something that this guy thrives over, and him doing it over and over again shows he doesn't give a crap, and he's not going to change his ways ever unless somebody goes after him and gives him – a nice physical approach. That's that's all I got to say. The NHL is a joke, and George Paros needs to be fired. I I agree. I mean, I'm not the biggest hockey fan. I don't follow it, and I know fights are part of the game, but this wasn't a fight. You know, this this was one guy 
starting a fight and then taking it way too far. Uh, there's a difference. There's there's it a difference. It was manslaughter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a difference also between you know throwing a punch at a guy because he tackled your teammate or because he tripped your teammate, uh, than you know grabbing a guy's hair and throwing him onto the ice. That, those are two very different things. Uh, he was going to street fighting tactics, and you never want to see that happen in any sport, especially one where you know you're on ice with metal blades on your feet, like. It's it's just incredibly dangerous, and I agree. I think he should be suspended, or at the very least, fined more than five thousand dollars. If this was his first time, I can understand a slap on the wrist punishment, but it's not his first time, and so they the the NHL has no excuse for why this is such a small punishment. And no, they don't. It, no they, right. they they don't have an excuse. They they're they're saying, oh, this is just this is our decision. Um, they're not even trying to come up with a reason for why it's small. It was excessive. He's a repeat offender, and everybody could clearly see that that was a suspension. Even if you just give him a game, like at the very least, one game. It's got to be more than that. Aiden, but, he, but Aiden, he he did the something similar to your guy in the Bruins, Brandon Carlo, and he got nine games for it. But the problem was the guy that only gave him a five thousand dollar fine, which. To an average human being, that's a $66 fine. I could buy a video game with that money. Yeah. You know, he's done this over and over again. They do nothing about it, and that's the problem. And if, if you're going to give him nothing, he's going to keep on doing it. And, you know, he hit your boy, Brandon Carlo. He got nine games for that. And the worst part is the guy that only gave him a 5K fine didn't want to suspend him. It was the commissioner that made the call for it, but – as much as I love Gary Bettman as a commissioner, and as much as I say he's the best commissioner in sports, that's just my opinion. This is going to, this not only is this a bad look on the NHL, that game, not only the Wilson incident, the game after is going to leave a huge stain on the NHL. And it's a bad look on the, the whole league itself. I actually, I kind of disagree a little bit with that, with the second part of that. I think the way that the second, the, the game right after went down is, Maybe not a good look for the NHL, but a very good look for the Rangers. Yeah, no, I agree. Because, and, and in a way, a good look for the Capitals too. Because regardless of how bad your players mess up, you as a team are supposed to support your teammates. You're supposed to have your teammates back, even if they're doing the wrong thing. I, I'm glad that the Capitals, you know, as an organization, aren't basically like shoving this guy aside. I don't think he should, you know... Ha- be be playing this rest of this season but the 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 team has to stay together but for the rangers to also you know as a team go out there and show like we're not going to take this uh they made a public statement they got a big fine for that um you know i think that looks really good on the rangers i agree i'll say this i'm i'm a ranger fan so this whole thing was hard to see, especially Artemi Panarin, who is the heart and soul of this team. He's been the best player for the last few years now, and he's dealt with a lot this year. Of course, the allegations that were against him earlier this earlier this year, which caused him to miss about like two to three weeks of the season, and now this. He's not a guy that really deserves this, and he's one of the, the premier players in the NHL, and it's just a shame this happened. It's ridiculous how he gets no suspension around 20 to 25 games at least like start now, go into next season. I think it's ridiculous how that nothing is, nothing is, 
nothing has happened and along that along those lines but the nhl they really are never they're never made their consequences are never major and i think that's something they really need to start to start changing and just for context guys i mean think about what happens when you throw at a guy's not even their head just throw at a guy in baseball you know you hit a guy you hit him yeah. on the, on the on, in the ribs you hit him on the side somewhere you can get suspended amir garrett from the cincinnati reds got suspended i think it was seven games a couple of days ago a guy from the uh, from the Phillies. We were playing the Mets last weekend. He threw it at, at a Mets player. There was a little bit of a melee. He got suspended. I think it was three or two or three games for Jose the, Alvarado. The Joe Kelly, right? The Joe Kelly incident a couple of years ago. These things are big suspension. They're about multiple games long. This guy does something that you could literally be arrested for in real life, and it's it's five thousand dollars. I mean, an NBA technical foul can be five thousand dollars if you have enough of them. So it's just, it's it's just it's, a joke. I, mean, I think part of it has to fall back to the NHL is letting this happen by letting fight stay a part of the game. If you really yeah. want to change this, I know it's part of the game and I know it's an important part, but if you really want to change this, crack down on fighting as a whole. You know, this was an, this was an especially bad instance of fighting, but the fact that, you know, we have to clarify that the idea of fighting is, you know, not even frowned upon by the league is causing situations like this. So I don't think it should be completely eliminated, but they need to they need to fix the rules and regulations of how fighting is going to work if they want to keep this game safe. Aiden. But they're probably not going to do that because of the way they look at it. Fighting is part of the sport. Fans, they love when they see the fights. It's entertaining. It's like one of those moments you go, oh, you jump out of your seats. Those are the moments of the NHL they like, they like, and I don't think those are going away anytime soon. I do think they, it's not that they shouldn't do that, but for example, I think if you start a fight, like you should be thrown out. If you like throw punches back, like you should be, you should be what is it like five minute penalties normally, right? Well, they also have a ten, a ten minute game misconduct, but yeah, yeah, yeah ten minute game misconduct. They need to enhance the the punishment more. Like if you start a fight or if you fight back, like. Make it like, like this could really cost your team the game. Like, so they like, have like a big consequence for your action, which I think they really need to start changing. And for the Rangers in this whole situation, this is like their the best. season's over. Whatever. I know. Their best players are going down. Their front office is fired. Everything's falling apart. See, here's the thing, though. And obviously the Caps won that game three zip. The Rangers didn't care about the score. It was about making a statement and taking a physical approach since the NHL couldn't handle themselves. You know, if Tom Wilson was suspended, none of this would have happened. None, nothing. Yeah. So as much as I don't like Wilson, this also goes on. This no, also goes on other sports and you'll throw back at a guy or something will happen. This could have been a very small deal. They could have definitely negated what, what the effect of this was in the next but game. Back to, yeah. But back to Aiden's point, it's the problem's not fighting. Brown, there's boundaries that you shouldn't cross. And what Tom Wilson did is not hockey whatsoever. You it's cannot a cross the boundary. And it's not just, it's like I said, not just when he pulled down Panarin. If you saw what happened before that, Buchnevich is on his neck unconscious. He takes his stick, pushes it against him, then punches him twice while he's on the floor. And then he punches Panarin, nonetheless, Panarin, who doesn't even have a helmet on, which is also dangerous. So it's, it's not, a, it's not even fighting that's the problem. It's stuff like this that has to look in, be looked into more. And I also believe that the over, an overhaul needs to happen, starting with George Peros being completely eliminated from player safety. Agreed, Dean. Uh, good points there. Let's move on and let's head over to basketball. 
because the NBA regular season, every team's got about five games left, maybe six, seven games, whatever it is. And it's basically over uh, for, for the NBA regular season. We're almost done. The playing tournament is almost upon us. We're under two weeks away from that. Uh, and then the playoffs will start up a couple days after the playing tournament is over. So the standings right now are pretty crazy. As of Friday afternoon, and this could change completely, but I'll read off the standings from 1 to 10 each conference just so everybody gets an idea. In the East, you've got Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, the Knicks, Atlanta, Boston. Those are the six teams that are out of the play-in. And then in the play-in, seven seed is Miami, followed by Charlotte, Indiana, and Washington. And then in the Western Conference, Utah's the one, Phoenix, the Clippers, Denver, Dallas, the Lakers, that's the sixth seed. Seventh seed in the play-in is Portland, but those those two teams play each other tonight, Lakers, Portland. So yeah. that's a big and that's a huge game. game. Huge yeah, implications. Golden, Memphis is nine, and then 10th is San Antonio. So we just measured it. So that, that Portland-Lakers game is huge tonight. We will know, obviously, the results of that game later. As of recording, we don't know the, the result yet. Dean, let's start with you because Lakers and Clippers played last night. That was a big game and obviously put the Lakers in this position where they'll fall out of the top six of the loss tonight. What did you see from the Clippers last night? And uh, are the Lakers' problems fixable? First of all, the Clippers played an amazing game last night. Um, yeah. You know, the I got to say, the additions of Boogie Cousins and Rondo have been perfect for the L.A. Clippers. The Marcus Cousins, ever since he signed for the rest of the year, has been playing – better basketball so as rondo reggie jackson's look good this is a clippers team all around that's better than the team last year in my opinion maybe maybe you think differently that's fine but i just feel like this team is more well-rounded and more balanced than the team last year the team last year you know there were a lot of questions like do these guys have a point guard um do they have a big man which obviously not you saw it in the second round of course but there were, the Clippers so far this year have answered a lot of questions. And last night, even though it was against the Lakers, who were shorthanded, the Clippers played their game. And even before AD got hurt, which was something you got to keep an eye on, Zubak played great defense. So it was a great team effort from the Clippers. And uh, like what they see from the so far. But for the Lakers, they're still a good team. They're still a championship team. However, the problem is obviously staying healthy. And and I think Anthony Davis said it last night. Correct me if I'm mistaken. It's, it's not. Well, what do you? Uh, no, I mean I know you're the Laker fan here. He said something about the main concern is getting healthy and not. Yeah, it's it's if they're healthy, they don't really care about the seating. Yeah, I don't think the seating is a problem for the Lakers. If they just get to the playoffs and LeBron and Dennis and Taylor Horton Tucker and AD, all those guys that have been banged up throughout the year, if they're all healthy and they come back with a full roster and a rotation that's all set. He, he thinks that there's very few teams, if any teams, that can actually compete with this Lakers team. And I agree with him. No, I mean, here's the thing, though. The West is stacked this year. And I understand, you know, some people may not trust teams like the Jazz and Suns, but this, these are still two very good teams. And, you know, the Jazz are not the Hawks from 2015 or 60. This is a, a better Jazz team. But the problem with, like I said, it's not about seeding for the Lakers. It's a matter of being healthy and, of course, chemistry. You know, LeBron and AD have been banged up with a ton of injuries this year. I believe Schroeder, this is the second time that he's got COVID or he was placed in the health and safety protocols. So it's not really a seating concern for Lakers. It's more so chemistry and getting healthy and how can they all gel together come playoff time, especially when they play these teams. Also, I think a big part of that is also, you mentioned their rotation. 
we don't even know what their rotation is going to be. There's a lot of these guys, they haven't played together. Frank Vogel hasn't had all his pieces. Oh, hold on. That's the same, but that's the same for the Clippers, though. They don't know their rotation either. Yeah. But it's, I think more, these teams. but it's a little more set in stone. The Clippers have had their team. The main thing that hasn't been there is, is Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, Serge, he's been out, but you kind of see him. He's going to slide. I, I mean, I think Boogie's played great, but I can see Zoo sliding into the role that Boogie's in, and Serge is going to take the role that Zoo Bots has had. So that's kind of simple, I will say. They haven't had as much time. They haven't gelled as much with the Clippers' new additions, but early on, they did play a lot together. Because the Clippers team, they added they added Andre Drummond, they added Ben McElmore. Like LeBron has had no playing with them whatsoever at this point, and that could be big in terms of chemistry and really just like knowing how to play with one another. True. Uh, let's, Aiden, unless you want to add something to the West, let's, we can move over to the East for just a no, minute. No, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm just the, this Lakers Trailblazers game it, tonight. Is it? Um, tonight. That's going to be a huge game going down the line. I know there's still about a week left of the season, a little bit over. But that's that might just be the, the biggest game of the season for the Lakers. If the Lakers lose that game, I mean, they're playing three teams in their last five games that are all fighting to stay alive in the playoff race that are all going to really need to win that game. Um, I, I agree that the Lakers shouldn't have to be worried about their seed. I do believe that they should be worried about the play-in. Oh, oh, wait, so can I respond to that? You want, unless you want to go first, Jack. No, you go. Okay. Let me respond to that, though. And I Andy kind yeah. of alluded to it before, so I'll, I'll bring it up again. I don't think they care about the playing tournament. And I had this epiphany last night when I was watching the Lakers-Clippers game. I don't care about the playing tournament either. Because let's be honest, if they go in there, they're going to be facing two of the following three teams, especially after Zion just got hurt a few minutes ago. It's going to be San Antonio, the, the Warriors, and the Grizzlies. Those teams suck. Like, they're terrible. The Warriors would scare somebody a little bit just because the staff could go off for 70 on any given night. But those teams are not good. The Lakers will win one of those two games. They have to lose twice to be out. So they have to win only just once out of those two games. They'll do that. They'll get to the playoffs. Once they do, it doesn't matter about seeding. So what? They don't have home court advantage. They can go in and beat Phoenix. They could beat Utah. When When they're healthy, they're better than Phoenix and Utah. We know that because at the beginning of the year, when they were healthy, they were the number one seed in the Western Conference for a month and a half. So that doesn't worry me. But I, and I think a lot of people are overblowing the whole playing thing. It's one extra game. It really doesn't it could, seem could that be, Could be three or it could be two. It could be two games. Yeah. yeah. Here's what I, I want to say this, especially I understand Lakers are better than most teams. I, I get that. I understand they have more talent. But in a, in a one or two game situation, anything could happen. You know, you could, especially coming off injuries. LeBron even said he's not going to be he's not going to be hundred percent healthy for the rest of the year. You don't know if he's going to be also, he could be playing a little nervous with that ankle. You never know if yeah. that could be the case that like, and that be... play a little cautious and you could see yourself surprised and upset. I'm just saying you never I, know. I think it's especially, especially, especially in the playoffs, you never want to play extra games. That's why like in the NFL, like is the one seed ever really probably going to lose to the seven seed in the NFL playoffs? Probably not, but you don't want to risk it, right? The but Lakers are probably going to beat any of the other teams in the play-in tournament. But that doesn't mean that they should be comfortable playing one to two extra games where they risk being knocked out early. And same with the Celtics, the Celtics right now. I think they should also be very worried. They're significantly better, I think, than the four teams that are currently set to be in the play-in. But I don't want them in that situation. 
Yeah, and I was going to, when we were going to switch over to the East, I was going to mention that. Obviously, tonight, the Lakers, Blazers, that's a huge game. But also, uh, obviously, when this airs, it'll be Mother's Day. Happy happy Mother's Day to everyone listening. And, oh, right. Forgot about that. And there's two big, two big games. The Celtics and the Heat have a back-to-back on Sunday and Tuesday. Well, not, it's not Sunday, Monday, but they have the home and home. Sunday, Tuesday, yeah. Sunday, Tuesday. They're, they're tied right now for the sixth seed. When when the, when that two game series is over, one team will have the tiebreaker, and one team will be in the play. I believe the Celtics won the first game, so if they can just win one, I yeah. think the Celtics also I think have a bit of the advantage over the Heat in this case, in that their last three games are the Cavs, Timberwolves, and Knicks. Well, the Heat's last three are the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Pistons. The Timberwolves are falling, and so are the Knicks. Yeah, the Edwards were forty a few nights ago. Uh, the Knicks twelve out of fourteen. In the last yeah. 14 games? No. So let's I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm I'm more afraid of the Knicks out of like those three games, most afraid of the Knicks out of those three games for the Celtics. But I mean, the, the Cavs, the, the Cavs and Timberwolves are much less formidable than the Bucks and uh, Sixers. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's, let's move on to that because I think that one of the most uh, important races that we're not talking about is the one seed in the Eastern Conference. That, to me, is a tremendously big advantage for whoever gets it. And right now, Philly's up two games on Brooklyn. Two and, and a Brooklyn's half. So two, two and a half, sorry. Yeah. So Brooklyn lost last night. They lost to Dallas. They lost the two games before that to Milwaukee. Giannis was unbelievable. It was ridiculous. They had no answer for him. So now it looks like Philly's going to get that one seed. Nobody was talking about the importance of that one spot. And here's why it's so big. If Brooklyn has to be the two seed, and then what that would mean is – they would face Milwaukee in round two and then Philly in the conference finals. Plus, they'd have to face either the defending Eastern Conference champion Miami in round one, or they'd face Boston, who obviously is very dangerous. For now. For now. You go For, right. Like, that's pretty that's Atlanta pretty and New York, as much as I wanted, they could easily fall. They're only a game. Atlanta, the Celtics and Heat are both a game back in the fifth spot, and they're only two yeah, back. I mean, that, 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 that four through seven is still very much up in the air. Yeah. And it's so, open. So, if you're Bro- so if you're Brooklyn, right, and you're trying to build chemistry with Harden as he comes back, and well, maybe he, he comes back in the regular season for a couple of games, maybe he doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Either way, they're going to be building chemistry, trying to work things out in the playoffs. It's going to be very difficult when your first-round series is likely to be one of the two most dangerous teams in the East, teams that were in the conference finals and in the finals last year in Miami and Boston, then follow that up with the two-time reigning MVP in Milwaukee, and then play maybe this year's MVP – uh, best player in the league when he's been healthy this year in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, obviously, as well. That's a really tough thing that Brooklyn's going to have to work through. And if you're Philly, you feel great because chances are you face somebody like Charlotte in round one, and then you got to face the Knicks or the Hawks, two teams that have no playoff experience whatsoever, and then you get to the conference finals. They should It should be a cakewalk for Philly to get there, whereas the other two teams, whether it's Milwaukee or Brooklyn, they're going to really have to fight just to win two rounds, and that's going to yeah. be really tough. Yeah, I know it's funny the way it's kind of interesting. I feel like for the first time in a while, I mean, the West has been really dominated by the last, like, the, pretty much the last decade. Everyone said, like, the East is a lot weaker than the West. The East is very appealing. If you look at the seating the way it is right now, the first round matchups, we would, we would get, hopefully, at least, I want right now, I want the Wizards to be the eight seed. Be the eight seed. That would be They're really dangerous. entertaining. They're a dangerous team. It could be Philly, Washington. It'll be. Um, It'll be Boston. It'll not Boston. It'll be yeah, Brooklyn. No, Brooklyn versus either Boston or Miami, which is very entertaining. That could you can that'll be a very competitive. Brooklyn, Boston. I would love to see Brooklyn, Boston. And 
love to see Milwaukee, Miami. That would be a very entertaining rematch of last year's rematch upset. Of last year's upset. And then in the middle, you have the Knicks Hawks, two young, hungry, up and coming teams right. with something to prove. I think the Eastern Conference playoff picture is very intriguing right now. The East is for all, free for all. So, so Dean, let me let me kind of move over to the the playing spots for you. Who do you think is the most dangerous out of those bottom group of teams? Because I think it's Washington. Oh, I was going to say easily the Washington Wizards. I would not, well, especially other than right now, the way they're playing, I would not want to play a Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook led team in the playoffs, especially in the first round. That's a dangerous team. And they got some decent pieces outside of that, especially Roy Hachimura. I mean, this is a Wizards team that can give you a run for their money. I agree. Definitely agree. Totally. They're also, so, you know, despite being the 10th seed right now, despite being the 10th seed right now, they're putting the third most. Uh, points per game in the East. Yeah, Russell Westbrook is playing some of, you could argue, the best basketball of his career right now. And Bradley Beal, you know what he can do. His team is dangerous. They have killers. In the NBA, you need killers. Can we, can we actually go on, the, on, the, on a Westbrook tangent for a minute? Because those comments a couple days ago from their coach, Scott Brooks, were fascinating. That he thinks Russ is the second greatest point guard of all time. I think he's totally insane for saying that, but I wanted to get your guys' reaction because I that is really interesting what he said. I don't know if I would go that far, but I I would I would argue that he might be one of the best to never win a championship or one of the most, if if not the most underrated point guard of all time. But at the same time, like that will definitely be a discussion. Like if you say that, no one's gonna say you're nuts. Like clearly he too. Yeah. Clearly well, Steph Curry is going to be. Okay. Two. I'm just saying, but like okay, Steph Curry, Steph. you could no, but <laughs> Russ, he puts up the big numbers. He plays unbelievable defense, his energy, what he brings to the table. Obviously he, his, he's a triple double machine. When you look at that though, when you, if you argue, you could argue if Russ had, if Russ had a jump, had a respectable jump shot, you could argue he's one of the most talented players ever that's the one thing they really take away from him is that he's not a great shooter that's what really halts him back and a lot of people don't respect it as much and then he hasn't won a championship too that's a huge I don't, yeah. I don't think he's the second best like scott brooks says but I will yeah, say no, he's, I agree. Definitely Steph Curry. A, he's a gifted athlete he's a gifted player yeah. and nobody has ever in the history of the league hands down has ever played harder on a per game per minute per second basis the way that Westbrook does. That yeah. guy goes all out every second he's in there. He is an animal. He's a top 10 point guard. He's a unit. It's crazy play he yeah. effort. Like to me, to me, Magic Johnson, Steph Curry, the two greatest point guards of all time. And then you got Oscar Robertson. Oscar, Isaiah, Isaiah. Stockton, Chris Paul, Nash Kidd. Yep. A lot of greats in there. Damian Lillard's right there too. Yeah. So there's a lot of great point guards, of course. Bob Cousy. So. Jerry West. Uh, anything else we want to discuss in the league? Ball. Ball. Stop it. Oh, they <laughs> Lamelo's better. Not even close. He's yeah. going to be a future Nick, possibly. So who knows? Listen, Lonzo is undoubtedly the greatest player to ever play basketball. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to discuss in the league? There's uh, obviously a hey, lot. Ryan Scalabrini would like to have a word with you. Oh yeah, I'm curious about. I'm curious about this. Well, I saw this comment the other day. I want to know your guys' opinion. I never knows about this. There's a report coming out of Milwaukee that if they oh, don't. God. If they don't go on, which I think is ridiculous. I know Noah thinks it's ridiculous. it's ridiculous. If Milwaukee doesn't go, I think if they don't make the conference finals, at least Mike Budenholzer will be fired, which I think is absurd. He's one of the top, you could argue, top, 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 top five, top three coaches. We've, we've seen right Stranger. I mean, who was it that won uh, Coach of the Year right after getting fired? Dwayne Casey. Casey. 
like and championship. Yeah. You know, we've we've seen stranger. We've seen coaches get fired one or two years after a championship. At at a certain point, I mean, this Bucks team has been for the past three years. The Bucks have probably been the best team in the East, and they haven't won a championship. They haven't even. But now they, have they haven't even shit. made a championship. I think this is their year, honestly. I think they I, look right ready. But they look they don't look as good this year as they have in the past. That's my oh, opinion. Oh no, not at all. That is so not they are so much better this season than they I just I don't talent, know. In terms of talent, they're beyond what they've ever been. They have a a, a, big, a big three that they play off each other so perfectly. I love Drew Holiday. Yeah, I love Drew Holiday. One of the right. most underappreciated players in the NBA. Chris Middleton, a sniper who gives effort every step of the way. And, of course, you have Giannis. They have a great supporting cast around them. The difference this year is the East is the East has teams, finally, that are on the same levels. And, obviously, we have Brooklyn yeah. and Philly. Think- Philly has been capable. Last year, we all thought the conference finals going into the season was going to be automatically was going to be Philly and Milwaukee based off what Philly did. But – they finally, Philly's had a lot of pieces, but they finally put the puzzle together. And you I see think last year with Milwaukee's was Milwaukee's chance. I mean, I to, not only to make them. the finals, but to win the finals. That was, they were such a strong team. The East was pretty weak, honestly. The, the and, bulge. and the Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers were fine, but they weren't, they weren't the dominant, uh, you know, warriors that the past couple seasons had seen. But also, the bubble, also, two things. One, first off, Milwaukee was going through what was going on in their city. Half the players, they, their okay, team was yeah, the true. voted for Without the, the bubble, be, it would have been a different story. Voted, they, they wanted the bubble to be shut down from what was going on. And not to mention, big one of, another huge factor, they were the top seed, which means they were going to have home court advantage. And that's a big factor, especially against a good Miami team, especially when you lack experience. But when you don't have to go on the road against daunting fans, yeah. it makes it a lot easier. The pressure is not there. You could just relax and play basketball. And, and, not, and remember, Giannis hurt his ankle in that second round against the Heat. So he missed one of those games, and he was not the same guy. This year, he is playing at an unbelievable level. His jump shot this weekend against against uh, the Nets in those teams he showed something was that unreal. And let me tell you something. The Brooklyn Nets, for all their talent and all their skill and all the scoring that they had, they had nothing, for Giannis. Like, they tried everything. They tried DeAndre Jordan. They tried Kevin Durant. I mean, uh, they tried Kevin Durant. They tried switching. They tried Joe Harris. They tried everybody. And every single time, it was like, Giannis has got to his spot and score. They couldn't do anything with him. And that's because he's more confident in his mid-range jumper than he's ever been, and his three-pointer, by the way. And that is going to help that team win a lot of games. And, of course, Drew Holiday is one of the best players in the game that nobody yeah. talks about. Eric Bledsoe was a complete liability, and now they don't have a guy like that anymore. Yeah, no, seriously, thing. Drew, like when, when I look at them against Brooklyn, I think Drew Holiday, he can guard either – he can guard Irving, or he can definitely guard Harden. Or Durant. Yeah, or Durant, I think. But Giannis – I mean, Giannis, people, he could be overrated. People can have an opinion on his defense, but he is a, he is the current, he is the reigning defensive player of the year right now. And if he locks in, he's quick, he's fast enough and he's tall enough. He can, he can give Kevin Durant trouble. Mm-hmm. They right. can't compete with the Nets yeah. for real. I really believe they will. Yeah. And, and, and it's good because they match up really well with Brooklyn, whereas Philly, uh, I mean, Philly also does but the Nets don't match up as well with those two teams as, as it goes the other way around. Philly really, so has, the de- Philly really has the defense yeah. to shut yeah. that down. We'll see. But Mike, the Mike Budenholzer thing is just a joke. Yeah, no. It's, 
It's pathetic. It's ridiculous. All right, so let's move on. Uh, we've got a lot more to discuss. BIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Planned Parenthood Generation Action is a student activist group that works directly with the Planned Parenthood of the Southern Finger Lakes and the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. They are dedicated to keeping Ithaca College conscious of reproductive justice and of legislative attacks on people's bodies regarding healthcare. Their meetings are on Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Friends 207. To join, email icgenerationaction at gmail.com or follow IC Generation Action on Instagram. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the campus community involvement director. Right, moving on to our moving on to our next topic, Kendrick Perkins a couple of days ago uh, said on ESPN that he believes it is harder in the NBA to win a championship than it is in the NFL or any of the other major sports leagues. Now that got quite a, quite a reaction from the sports world, uh, and people had different opinions on it. So I want to hear what you guys have to say. I'll start with you, Jack, first, uh, and and we can kind of go from there. Yeah, so obviously it's difficult to win a championship in any sport. But I'm going to have to disagree with Kendrick Perkins here. I'm going to say, I mean, you guys may disagree with me. I'm going to say the NFL, it's the hardest to win a championship for a couple of reasons. One, in terms of physicality and the what it takes on your body. The NFL, it's, very, it's, a lot more physical, it's a lot more physical game. And players get hurt a lot more often. The NBA, a lot of the time when you go into it, it's it's kind of like it's you expect a lot of the time to go in with everybody fully 100% healthy. When you're when you're in the NFL, you're on an NFL team. Most of the time, most of the time you're going into the season, you're gonna know by the end we're not gonna be at fully 100% most of the time. And also, this is the biggest difference for me is in the playoffs in the NFL. You have to be on your game every single game in the every single game in the playoffs. You know, in the NBA, you could be LeBron, you could be KD, you could have an off night, and it really doesn't it really doesn't even matter because you have six more games to get it right, and you can redeem yourself. In the NFL, if you have one bad game, that's it. You go home. It's win or go home in the NFL. You have to be on every single night. The NBA, you can, like you have to play well, but if you have a bad game, it's not the end of the world. You could always bounce back. So I think the NFL is the hardest to win championship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go ahead. the hardest sport to win a championship is the UFC. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, I actually do agree with you, Jack, but because I, I just want to be a little bit different and take a little bit of a different route outside of football, I'm going to go with hockey and I'll tell you why. So, you know, the NBA, I just always felt like, you know, the playoffs are a little bit more predictable. Same with the NFL. Of course, the NFL, you get one shot and that's it. But in hockey, you can't predict anything. You know, it takes time for your prospects to develop. You could have the best team in the NHL, but that team statistically does not win. You could be the eight seed. You could be the – look at years ago, Tampa Bay and Columbus. Tampa Bay was supposed to be the lights-out team. That was the unanimous pick to win the Stanley Cup. And then the, they set the all-time record for wins that year? Yes, and they also set the all-time record for wins that year. They had the most points. They had the most wins. They had the leading goal scorer. They had, the, they had a Vesna goalie of the year. They had pretty much everything locked under their cabinet. But the Columbus Blue Jackets, who were yeah. gotten on the edge of their – the skin <laughs> of their teeth, swept the Tampa Bay Lightning. You can't predict anything in hockey. And other than – Still not happy about that, your team, that Stanley huh? Cup. Still not happy about that Stanley Cup. Uh, let me guess, because the Blues won that year. <laughs> so – 
uh, I'm, oh, I had to because why not? Anyways. No, no, um, you're right, though. You, you, like, you have yeah, but point. listen, but Aiden, another thing is that Blues team wasn't supposed to be contenders that year. Remember, they fired their coach midway through and they were last place in the NHL. They came out of nowhere and were blazing hot come playoff time. So I just feel like in the NHL, you – wasn't there a goalie like a rookie that nobody knew too? Jordan Bennington was the goalie that nobody knew and he, and he played lights out in the playoffs. So I feel like in hockey, it's harder to win because anybody at any time could come out of nowhere and come from behind and beat you. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what both of you guys are saying. And Jack, I do think that the winner go home thing uh, in the NFL does make it incredibly difficult. But my pick is actually, I, I, I was thinking about this a lot today. I'm going to go with MLB. And the reason I say that is because kind of similar to what Dean was saying is first of all, uh, your best players are, if it's a batter, they're getting on base twice a game at most. Your best pitchers are pitching twice a series at most. Um, You know, you have that and you have to do this all after having played 162 games. That's double the amount of games of any other sport. And uh, you typically have to do this in back-to-back-to-back-to-back nights. And it is the smallest uh, playoffs of any of the sports. It is harder to get into the playoffs at all in the MLB. We've seen teams that have been, you know, 90-win teams miss out on the playoffs. Uh, Like, these teams that have been really good that are world series contenders possibly uh, that haven't even made the playoffs just because, you know, there's a better team in their division. Um, And I know that happens in every sport, uh, but the amount of great teams that miss the playoffs in baseball, I think is, is more than in any other. Uh, But to go back to what I was saying, the, the biggest part to me is the amount of rest you need in baseball, especially for pitchers, makes it so that you can't get away with having, you know, in hockey, you can, if you have one great goalie, a lights out goalie, that really helps you because you could put him in the net every single night if you wanted to. Uh, if, if in basketball, you have a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan, uh, you know, just sure, maybe they'll have a bad game or a bad series and it'll blow everything up, but you can rely on one or two players to really carry you to a championship. In the NFL, one or two great players uh, can more easily carry a team to a championship than in the MLB, but it doesn't matter how good you are as an individual player. You need to be deep. You need nine people who can get on base. You need five starters who can pitch six innings and you need 10 relievers. Uh, so I just don't think that any other sport has to be that deep. And that's why I say baseball. I love all the points you guys have made. And I think this is one of the best debates we've ever done because I'm going to take Kendrick Perkins' side on this. <laughs> We're all taking a major sport. I like it. Wow, actually, so football, but, hockey, baseball, basketball now. I think the hardest one we can all agree is to win an, a college basketball national title because that's 68 I, teams and that's totally random. I disagree. I disagree. And I'll, I'll talk about that after. Okay, so, but, but I'm going to agree, in terms of the major four sports professional, at the professional level, I'm going to agree with Perk, and here's why. And Aiden kind of brought this up. You said if you have a LeBron or a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or somebody, you can use that player to take you all the way. And that is totally true, and if you have a guy like that, you're so lucky. Here's the problem. 
there's only five of those guys in the world right now. I mean, you have like LeBron, Durant, Steph, Kawhi, maybe Giannis, Jimmy Butler, I guess last year. But he, I mean, that's pretty much it. There's only like maybe 10 guys ever in the league right now that can do it. And if you don't have one of those 10 guys, you have no chance. So it's so hard to acquire even just one of those players, much less like two or three, like we've seen with some of the other teams, like the Nets right now and the Lakers last year and the Clippers like in the last couple of years. There's only a few guys that can do it. And there's only a couple of teams that have players like that. And you need in today's era multiple guys pretty much in order to get to the finals and win. So if you don't have a, a system that's put in place that allows free agents or you're great at drafting where you can get a guy like that, you have no chance of winning a championship. With hockey or baseball, you don't need those top-level stars necessarily to get to the World Series and win it because it can be very random, and you just get on a hot streak and you win. And in football, you could just have a couple of good games and you win the championship. In basketball, you literally have zero chance to win a title if you don't have superstars, and there's only a few superstars that go around. That's so that true, is why I think – well, but you can do it with just one superstar. And we've seen that before. It's easier, of course, with more great players, but it is doable with just one superstar. Uh, well, in the like, last few years, there's only been one team that's done it. It's the 04 Pistons. That's it. What about the Cavs? In LeBron oh, and Kyrie. Kyrie. I forgot about Kyrie. I forgot he was the on that team. Two years ago, had just, Kyle Lowry, a future Hall of Famer, and Pascal Siakam. It's just like... Like, you know, take the Angels, the best player in, in MLB, maybe in MLB history, uh, is on the Angels. And they haven't even won a playoff series with him. Um, so you, 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 you physically can't do that. Uh, and then you take a team like the Yankees, who on paper, incredibly stacked hitting. You know, that might, last season, the Yankees might be one of the best lineups of all time. Uh, but their pitching was just mediocre and they, they couldn't, they couldn't get it done in the bullpen, which is why they were unable to make it to the world series. So if you're great at one aspect, it, or if you're bad at one aspect, it doesn't matter how great you are at another aspect. Cause it's not, yeah, gonna also, no, finish your point. Finish no, your point. It, it, it's not going to matter in the end. Yeah. And also I disagree with NBA more so for anything else, like at least with R3 sports, kind of like what he was saying before, like about Mike Trout. Really, in the NBA, the best the best player has so much control over the entire game. For example, LeBron, he can run the offense. How do you get the best player? Though? Okay, but free agency and acquisition when you're in season. Yo, I'm wrong. All right. Anyway, please leave that in. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, back to what I'm saying. For example, say LeBron James, he's on he's on offense. He can attack. He can pass. He can do that. When he's on defense, he has the he has full power. To stop, to stop the ball, to stop the guy from scoring. In MLB, Mike Trout, when there's two outs in the bottom of the ninth, he could possibly not be able to – he could have to just sit there and watch because it's not his turn to bat, and he's not on the court. He can't run over there and make a play happen. It has to be his turn. The NHL, half the time, your superstar player is not on the ice for 75% of the game. And the NFL, say Tom Brady has the ball on us, say Tom Brady's winning, but there's two minutes left on the clock and the other team has the ball. He can't stop that. He can't stop. He can't secure the championship in that situation. Yeah, well, Jack, but your superstar player in hockey doesn't have to be on offense. They could also be on yeah. defense. Yeah, but like, in basketball, yeah, in basketball and like, you know, having like, no, some one of those guys important, especially score. In hockey, you could win without, without scoring. You could have defense and win. The St. Louis Blues – 
when they won that year, I'm sorry to say this to you again, Aiden, did not score a single power play goal in the playoffs, not one. And guess what? They still won the final. Why? Other than their lights out goaltender, who no one really heard of at the time, that, their defense was lights out. That's not what I said. I, what I was saying, when I was comparing, I was saying in hockey, say like your superstar player, he can be in the game, but he can make, he can completely stop something. He can make, he can make the stupid, he can make the stop on defense completely. He could do this. He could do that. What I'm saying is, for example, like in baseball and football, like Mike Trout. The guy's not actually in the game at that critical spot. Yeah, so that critical spot, you don't control everything. You have to rely. Yeah. I I just feel that the hardest things to do in sports are to draft well and to acquire the right talent. And in basketball, it is so important that you draft the right players. And That is is true. You need to develop. But in baseball. In baseball, you have to consider you're drafting these guys five years before they play sometimes. You know, sure. your first round picks maybe a year before they play. Uh, but the the amount of of draft picks, there there are how many rounds in the MLB draft? 45? Something like 60, that. I think. Yeah, exactly. 60 rounds. Uh, and that just goes to show how how difficult it is to draft in the MLB. And and yes, you're not going to be drafting as much. There's a lot of trades and there's a lot of prospect trades that come around and whatnot, but I don't know. I, 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 I find it hardest, I think, to make the argument for basketball. I think I can easily make the argument for the other, for, uh, bas- or for hockey and football. Well, I think you guys are trying to make the argument that it, it's more random in those other sports. And I agree with that. It is more random in basketball in, in baseball to have a wild card team than an eight seed win a title in basketball, or it is more random to have the wild card or the, sorry, the, uh, the, yeah, the wild card Tampa Bay Bucks last year, they're a wild card team. They got all the way to the Super Bowl. They won it. Or it's same thing in hockey. You could have an eight seed that goes all the way, but in basketball, you have to be a powerhouse and it is really hard to become a powerhouse. But, in the NBA. but you, you, you don't, to me, it just so happens that with the rise of the super team, the only way you're going today, the only way you're going to make the championship is to have a super team. But the reason that is, is because everybody's making a super team. The only way to compete against a super team is with another super team. You know, it's hard to do a super team. Think no, about how hard. Not if you're in a, not if you're in a big market. Not if you're in a solid market. If you're basically anywhere but like. The, the smallest markets in the league, I think it's super easy to build a super team. Well, Brooklyn was terrible for years and the Knicks have been terrible for 20 years and the Lakers were terrible for a decade and the Clippers have been terrible for 50 years. But he is so, saying, no, his point is like- who, Were they trying to form super teams? Like the Knicks tried, nobody wanted to go to the Knicks because they, they were dysfunctional. The Lakers were bad for eight years. They get, they get one, like, and you could say they were bad for all those years. They trade AD- their title contender, like it just you could do it like that. If you get superstars, you could like you could be an awful team, and you could just go right to the title. So baseball, so it takes baseball. It you takes, have, I mean, the Mets are a great example this year. They made a massive splash in free agency. Where are they now? I know it's a month into the season, but no offense, I'm not trying to attack you guys. Let's talk about that right now. Yeah, let's stay away from that whole topic. But like, like, <laughs> but, but but you know what I mean? Like they they went after free agents. They got big names. They got great players. And they're 500. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I just, I feel it's more random in those sports than it is difficult. That's my opinion. I don't know. And look, in the NBA too, like you can say all super teams are a new thing. 
the superstars were still winning titles throughout the entire history of the league before, you know, people use the term super team. I mean, Michael Jordan had three all-stars back when he was in Chicago. That's a super team, isn't it? With Scotty and him and Dennis. And think about the, the 80s Lakers with Magic and Kareem and James Worthy and Michael Cooper, like all those guys. That was a super team. And the, the Bulls, I mean, the, uh, the Celtics of that era with Parrish and McHale and Larry, that was a super team. And, you know, back with Oscar Robertson and Kareem in Milwaukee in 1970, Actually, that was a super team. Like, it's been a thing. Nobody, just nobody calls it one of them. Actually, those. Dennis wasn't an all-star. <laughs> it wasn't a super okay, team. Sure. But he's at the Bulls. With it. So I guess the Lakers aren't either. Classic Noah. Classic Noah. Right. Lion. That's right. Sorry. Lion about yeah. facts. If you were so, if it was so easy to build a super team or get superstars or whatever you want to, however you want to describe it as, then everybody would do it. Everybody yet, is doing it. Super, super teams, superstars go around. Everybody is doing it or everybody's at least trying to do it and they get one superstar and then nobody else wants to go. And so they, they stop trying and they trade that guy away. In, in the NBA, especially you like you've seen it either, either a team is going to, if they can't get the big superstars, they're just going to trade away all their assets, go for picks and then use those assets to, you know, get like a great draft pick and then trade the rest of them away to get a big superstar to pair them up with. That's what basically every single team is doing. Well, it's a hard process. It takes a long time. I mean, that's just how I feel. I mean, again, you guys can say it's, it's, it's took hard. about a year for the Lakers. We could be here forever discussing this. You know? Yeah. So. I personally, I go to the NFL because, like I said, it takes, a phys- it takes the most physical toll. You don't know how healthy you're going to be at the end of the season. You can expect – the NBA, you expect to be fully healthy going into the playoffs most years. In, in same with the MLB, you hope for it. I mean, it doesn't you know, – but like the NFL, pretty much from week one, the Bucks they had Super Bowl aspirations. They probably knew in the back of their mind, we're not going to be – we're not going to be the same team we are from week one. I'm sure we're going to have lots and lots of injuries. Starters are going to go down. We have to fill in those holes. That's what I like the NFL. You really – NFL, really, depth is a big factor that comes in because a lot of players get injured. It's about how well the guys who come in and fill those holes play – I think is a big aspect of it. And I think like the underdogs like those lower level players, the, the, the ones that the teams that truly have those guys who make an impact are the ones that win. But that's, that's also hockey, Jack. You also need depth. You need a good special teams unit, power play, penalty kill. You'd say you need depth just in case injuries. That's the same thing with hockey. Depth in hockey is more important than having a superstar on your team. And you could laugh at that all you want, but you could see throughout the years, the LA Kings, Sorry, Ranger fans and Devil fans. You know, where the six seed and the eight seed didn't really have someone who stood out and they still made the cup. They took care of business and they beat the Devils and the Rangers. I just feel like, you know, it's harder to win with, you know, it's just harder. It's it's physically harder in hockey than any other sport. That's my bottom line. Yeah. And I, I, I think my point is the same as yours, Dean, in that in baseball, it's all about depth. Uh, you know, it helps to it helps to have a Mike Trout or a Mookie Betts or a Derek Jeter, but you can win. Like you, 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 you really just need. Randy Rosarena, and you can still get to the World Series. I get your you, point. You, you, you need nine players who are quality starters. Yeah, yeah. we do this all day. We could do this. this. Was a great topic, by the way. This is one of the most fun one of our, if not our best segment. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on to our classic final segment, winners and losers. Uh, our last one of the semester here on BIC Radio. And before we head into that, just a reminder, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, 
Subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on Spotify. We're available wherever. Literally uh, everywhere. And you can find us, and uh, we'll appreciate all the support. Maybe uh, we'll make an audiobook and start selling on Audible. <laughs> Maybe we will. Yeah. We don't know what the future holds, but. Agree to disagree. He's got a break. <laughs> yes. So, Aiden, why don't you start, and we will uh, begin our winners yeah. and losers. So, uh, my loser, Noah, you mentioned it briefly a little bit ago, but the Pelicans. Uh, Zion, just minutes ago for us, it'll be a couple days for you all. But, um, Zion is out indefinitely, we've heard, with, what was it, a, a pinky finger, a ring finger fracture. Um, and this is not a team that was likely to go to the finals or even make a run in the playoffs, but they are, what, a game and a half out? Uh, yeah, a game and a half out of the play-in right now with a pretty important schedule coming up I mean a game against the Grizzlies uh or the Grizzlies the the Warriors and the Grizzlies sorry yeah um coming up so those are both going to be big games if they want to possibly make it in by the skin of their teeth they're gonna have to win those and now without Zion it's gonna be a lot harder all right I'll just go Noah literally seconds ago for us as we as you were talking my loser is now the New York Mets. Noah just showed me. For a lot of reasons, not just this yeah, one. Yeah, well, yeah. Mainly right now for this one. Uh, our top one of our, you could argue he's the number one prospect right now in the Mets farm system. Matthew Allen, a pitcher, is going to require Tommy John surgery. So you never like to see that. And especially for the Mets, he's, the Mets farm system isn't deep. He's, you could argue he's the number one, if not number two, number two guy in there. And now he's going to be down for a while. And other reasons for the Mets, uh, Chili Davis was just fired. Uh, Francisco. Carlos Carrasco going back. Francisco Lindor in a slump, but hopefully he's breaking out of that soon. Jacob DeGrom was scrapped from his last start. Not a lot is going – a lot is not going right right now for the Amazons. And Brandon Nimmo and J.D. Davis were on the injured list starting this week, so that was also good news. Yeah, Mets are, uh, can't really get it out of their own way, but they did win yesterday after leaving 17 runners on in a nine-inning game, which is almost impossible to do. And they still won. 17? An all-time Mets record for a nine-inning game. They left 17 runners on base. If they still the, won. They won four to one. If the goal in baseball was to leave runners on base, the Mets the last three years would be a dynasty. Yeah. The way they leave people on base is beyond me. They the just, way the way they won. They're it, so good at skipping those first two hits, and they just can't get with the guy under scoring position. They just forget how to hit. They they scored four runs yesterday. Three of them were by bases loaded walks. Yeah, I. I <laughs> Cardinals walked That's 11 men yesterday. Oh my God. I'm I'm Almost. I'm looking up I'm looking up right now what's the most uh runners left on base in a game. The first number that I saw was twenty-seven, but that came in a twenty inning game. Um oh, we're gonna break that this year. Yeah, that's my break. <laughs> we're coming for that. Uh, here it is, here it is. The most the most in a nine inning game is twenty. Uh in nineteen fifty six in a uh by the Yankees in a loss to the Red Sox. You love to oh, see we that. Almost, we almost just we almost got it. it. We almost 20, got it. Almost... 20 left on base, and that was in a loss. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> sure. As more, as more players. Here's, here's the one I think you guys should be chasing. Uh, the 1941 St. Louis Browns. Uh, 1,334 players left on base in the season. So that's eight and a half per game. I think you're on pace for that. That's good. Definitely break that record. Dean, go ahead. All right, so my winner, of course, I think you guys know it's coming. 
Only for one reason. My man, the best pitcher in the AL, the best pitcher in baseball. Sorry, Met fans. The best pitcher in the DMV area, not Max Scherzer or anybody from the Nationals, whatever. It's John Means. John Means, the first no-hitter from an individual, no, no combined effort since 1969. The first no-hitter in 30 years, pretty much. John Means, no-hitter, 12 strikeouts. I mean, listen, if there was a season that I wanted the Orioles to walk away with the highlight with, this was it. And I'll take, I will, this is my World Series for the Orioles. The Orioles. I will take this and run with it. So, John Means, I'm really proud of you. Uh, best pitcher on this team, best pitcher in the AL, no questions asked. And uh, yeah. You got to be the Cy Young favorite yeah. early in the year, right? Gene, who, who's the best pitcher in baseball, though? Just want to make sure you J- know. John Means for Cy Young. That's all you got to know. Oh, really? He's this, this number 48 guy in New York. Yeah, we know him. He's pretty good. All right, my loser uh, is business. what is it? John means business. That's all you got to know. So for my loser, just to wrap this up, is Brian Gutekunst. I think he's the loser in all. <laughs> when is he a loser? He's always a loser. And you know why this week he's especially the loser? Why? Because apparently, things have gotten so bad in Green Bay that in a group chat, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers talking <laughs> Jerry Krause. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about that? A couple weeks ago, this report came out that Aaron Rodgers was referring to Brian Gutekunst as Jerry Krause, the ex-Chicago Bulls general manager during the Jordan era, who was so bitterly despised by Jordan and the Bulls that they had to do multiple episodes on this during the last dance. It was a whole saga, and that is how bad it's gotten in Green Bay. Now, I don't know what they're going to end up doing, if they're going to trade Aaron, if they're going to keep Aaron, what's going to happen, but let me tell you this. If you're that bad as your general manager, you don't deserve to have a job, and he should be fired today. And here's the other thing. We saw a report earlier today. The Packers were looking for quarterbacks in last week's NFL draft, seeing if they wanted to take someone at some point. They didn't, but it was at least a discussion. That puts it. Uh, that makes it even worse for Gutekunst because of this reason. If they trusted even remotely, they would have been fine putting him in the game and trading Aaron and moving on to the next quarterback in that franchise era because that's how it works in football. If you draft a quarterback in the first round, you move off your veteran, you head on to the next guy. But they must hate Jordan Love so much in that building and think he stinks so bad that they wanted to take another quarterback to compete with Aaron Rodgers, and yet Aaron is still stuck in this terrible situation, and we have no idea when it will be over. What is this kid talking about? The Packers are 26-6 and six in the last two years. You think this is because of this Aaron Rodgers guy? You think that they're 26-6? and six? Oh my God. You think it's because of him? What, he's a league, what is he, a league MVP, throwing 45 touchdowns? What do you think? It's because of him? No, it's because of that G- <laughs> Like, come on, Noah. Know your stuff. So that's my – he's the worst GM in, in football. And he Greatest. To be you know, when, when Aaron Rodgers got hurt against the Bears and came back, it wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It was the baddest man on the planet, Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> exactly. Like, look, they win in spite of Aaron Rodgers. Let's be real. <laughs> come on, Noah. Come okay. on. So we're going to wrap this up right now because I've had enough Jack. Uh, thank you all for listening to Agree to Disagree all year here on VIC Radio. We will be back in the fall. We hope, we're hoping for uh, a full semester in studio every Sunday morning. We'll tell you the time once we get back. We don't know yet. But we're hoping that all four of us, including Dean, will be back in studio every single Sunday or Saturday. And we cannot wait to continue doing our shows. We'll have more content throughout the summer that should be expected. Uh, we'll be on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. And you guys can follow us there and see our content, but it has been great to do these shows throughout the entire semester, whether they be live or or, uh, remotely like they are right now. 
And uh, we just thank everyone for tuning in each and every week and for supporting us throughout this entire COVID semester. So thanks for listening. On behalf of Jack and Aiden and Dean, I'm Noah Schwartz. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time.